Welcome to the State of the Lakers presented by Dash Radio. Thank you guys so much for coming to hang out on a Tuesday. This is part two of the podcast I did with Vinay after the game on Sunday. In this part of the pod, we primarily focused on Russell Westbrook. And as you guys know, I've been super negative about Russ a lot this season. Vinay is very much on the opposite end of the spectrum. So I think it's really good for you guys to hear just another perspective. We got to the bottom of a bunch of stuff with Russ. I thought this was really good. Thank you guys, as always, for your support and enjoy. So so let's look at, uh, you know, projecting forward, because I agree, LeBron looks great. So if LeBron looks great, that's obviously something that you can build on because LeBron is a top three or four player in the world. That's a foundational piece, right? Anthony Davis, like even if he never shoots as well as he did in the bubble, when he's healthy, he's probably somewhere around the you know 11th or 12th best player in the league, right? So you've got two top 12 players there. That's a good foundation. So essentially now this is where I wanted to move to the Russ piece because, you know, and I'm going to make the case really quickly to you for where I'm at with Russ and why. And then I want you to kind of tell me if you agree or if you would go a different direction. So as, as far as Russ goes, like he played actually okay against the magic. I just didn't care because it was the magic. He actually, today I thought was the best game he's had versus a good team, which has mm-hmm. been a, which has been a consistent issue with him this year in our bigger games against our better opponents. He's been really bad, either either for a pivotal stretch or for the entire game. Um, obviously, with the all-time stinkers like he had against Golden State and against Brooklyn, and then some other games where he was rough for specific stretches, kind of like the Phoenix Suns game that we had last month. So, like, I my main concern is like I view this game like he had it tonight against Miami as more of an outlier. I tend to think that most teams have figured out at this phase of his career, if you put a big forward on him. You're, you're going to basically force him to take jump shots because he can't play that same bully ball game. Although he's had a couple moments lately, uh, you know, against Aaron Gordon. And then he had a, he had one tonight where he caved in someone's chest. I can't even remember who it is, but the point is, is he's for the most part been rendered ineffective against the really good teams this year. So this is where you run into this awkward situation because Frank, I think has noticed it too. Um, because, uh, especially with his attention to defense, Russ has had a lot of mental defensive breakdowns lately. He lost a shooter uh, today. He botched a switch a couple times today. Like he just, those kinds of mistakes are what has led Frank to pull back on his minutes. And then of late, he sat him for significant stretches of two fourth quarters. So my thing is like, if you don't think Russ fits into your, you know, crunch time rotation in the playoffs, then there's no point in keeping him around because then you have attitude issues and you don't want to have like a Andre Drummond type situation where you're in the middle of a playoff series, navigating, benching a player, you know what I mean? And then you've got Andre Drummond complaining and going on social media and, 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 and talking about the coach and stuff like that. I just don't think that's worth dealing with. So my thing is like, if I had a reason to genuinely believe that Russ could contribute and contribute well on both ends of the floor in the actualized version of this team, in the biggest moments against the best teams, I would absolutely uh, be in favor of keeping him. But I'm at the point where I, it used to just be, I'd be concerned with his late game decision-making, but now I don't think he's good enough in any phase of the game for it to be worth it. So I think it's better to get off of him rather than to keep him on, have it go really South in a playoff series. But where are you at with Russ just in general this season? Cause I know you've been more pa- uh, positive with him, but do you think he fits into what the actualized version of this team is, and do you see him having success in a postseason run? Yeah, so so um, I completely understand your your standpoint when it comes to just kind of what you're describing as to trying to get ahead of uh, a potential situation where 
um, you know, like Russ may basically get schemed against where, you know, the, and I get what you're saying. Like, uh, and I think other folks have said this too as well. Like what's stopping another team from just completely ignoring Russ, like in a Mm -hmm. playoff series for multiple games and then just kind of junking stuff up, which then forces Vogel to have to pull him. Um, and all, all valid, valid things. Um, so I, I don't disagree with that. Uh, I think my general pushback against that has been, um, teams haven't, outright done that throughout games like even even in close situations in some of the games that we played uh against competitive teams they haven't been able to do that because there's this like you know there's this fundamental nature and it may happen that doesn't mean it won't happen in the playoffs but it's there's a fundamental nature um of a basketball player like where regardless of how good how bad the shooter is you're just not going to give them a wide open lane to the rim because you just know that like something bad could happen if that Mm. happens and so and so russ has capitalized on, on some of those situations so um, I, I think one of the things you mentioned was Russ has had bad games against playoff teams or contending teams, playoff teams. Um, and so I, I would push back on that a little bit because there are there have been games, even without Braun, where Russ has played really well. For example, perfect example is not really well, but has played well enough for us to win. Um, and the, the Miami game at home in overtime, like Miami was was running all the same actions and stuff like that that they would normally run. Uh, we didn't have Braun that game. They lost Jimmy Butler, I think, after the after the first round or first quarter or something like that, uh, for his knee or his ankle, and um, we pulled out the win. And that was a win that absolutely required Russ to be good. Like it, it wasn't a game where just Anthony Davis took over because Anthony Davis was having some trouble too himself um, against a guy like um, you know Bam Adebayo and stuff like that, mm-hmm. uh, another physical team. And so um, the Cleveland game. This is before everybody realized Cleveland's a really good team. Like they were, they were beating up on teams because they're a really good defensive team. Uh, they come to play the Lakers. We're down by 12, third quarter. Braun and Russ go on this crazy run uh, to kind of uh, catch up, uh, erase the deficit. And then what ends up happening is uh, I think Braun and AD just basically spam their pick and roll like they, we expected them to in the fourth quarter. Lakers win the game uh, then. The Boston game, back and forth, trading jabs, both teams trading jabs. Eventually, Russ erupts uh, off the pick-and-roll action with uh, – and I th- if you remember that game, that was a game where Robert Williams was, like, dunking over Ant- Anthony Davis, like, every single play. Uh, <laughs> in the first half. And stuff. Yeah, in the first half. And there, Russ explodes in the third quarter, and, and, you know, we end up winning the game and stuff like that. And so um, I'm sure there's other games I could probably also pull out too as well. Um, when it, like, even the Bucks game. This will be the last one. The Bucks game away uh, in, in Milwaukee. That was another game we didn't have with Braun. But – that was a tightly contested game up until maybe about six minutes left in the game uh, where we kind of let go of the rope uh, as a team. Uh, Russ was, he wasn't bad in that game. He wasn't average. He was above average, you know, staying under control and stuff like that. That was a good THT game too as well. Um, so my thing is, if, if you're in the boat that you have to trade Russ, I understand. If, if your logic behind trading Russ now is that you want to get ahead of a situation where he could potentially just kind of be schemed against completely. Um, I understand that too as well. However, my only thing is this. If you trade Russ and you don't get another guy who could put pressure on the rim, the way Russ has, regardless of how, how many turnovers and stuff like that he's been doing, um, if you don't get somebody who's willing to put pressure on the rim, you're going to be like, Braun's not going to do it. Like, you watch Braun a lot. Like, you've seen how much Braun is getting beat up. Like, in the Orlando mm-hmm. game, he literally got slapped in the face by Jalen Suggs, and they did not call a flagrant. They just called it a <laughs> common foul, and they just said, oh, yeah, it's it's cool. Like, it's nothing. Like, I, I don't think Braun physically can keep up with 
attacking the rim 20 times a game and creating for his, his teammates. And we absolutely need somebody to do that because even Anthony Davis is having trouble doing that on a consistent basis. And so I'm not trying to make an argument that like, oh, we have to keep Russ for the playoffs. My argument is there's a very specific thing that he's always he's willing to do, which is attack the rim, even when he doesn't have you know a size advantage or even when it looks like you know they're going to collapse the paint. He's willing to attack the rim and try to make plays for his teammates. I know that we're really mad about his finishing and stuff like that. But my thing is, it does help spell Braun. Like, Braun is not shooting the way he is. He's not having the fresh legs that he has if, if, he, if there isn't somebody else doing it for us. And that, you know, like, that was something that we wanted out of Dennis Schroeder last season. And he gave it to us in, like, some consistent, some inconsistent fashion. And, and I think that's a big part of basketball, you know, just putting pressure, constantly applying pressure on the rim. And, and I think that's what makes him really, really important. I will say this, too, as well. When Anthony Davis and Braun are on the floor, Russ is he stays out of the way, especially in these clutch situations. He doesn't try to get in their way uh, with whatever play call they want if Braun wants to ISO or, or if they run pick and roll and stuff like that. So, you know, it's hard for me to be mad at him when he's not hijacking possessions um, uh, away from those guys. And look, Anthony Davis has had struggled making passing out of double teams. Like Russ has been an active cutter. Like that's something that we haven't had from other players. Um, he's willing to cut and attack the rim and stuff like that when, when he gets double teamed. And so, like I said, these are smaller things, like kind of within the course of the game that we won't see necessarily in highlights because they won't end sometimes in, um, you know, like a flashy dunk or a layup or something like that. But it has been the difference between wins and losses for, for some of our games. And so that's just kind of what it is. I'm not against moving him, but you have to replace what he's actually bringing, which is like even in this Miami game, Braun, Braun and Russ run down the floor. It's like a seven-point game. Braun's waiting for the pass for Russ, but Russ realizes that, that Carmelo is trailing in the back. He sets up Carmelo for a three. You, know, uh, you can tell like, he stared down LeBron extra long, too, just to get that guy to follow him into the lane. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, open. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, obviously he's going to have, you know, the low lights where, you know, Laker fans make fun of him. Every NBA Twitter makes fun of him. Everybody does. But those low lights are – that's not indicative of kind of the, the amount of effort that he's putting in to help a guy like Braun and stuff like that. And so I think that's what Braun values. He wants somebody who's willing to do it because he, you know, he's 37, man. You can't expect him to do all this sort of stuff. And so that that's kind of my logic behind it. Well, you know, I appreciate the perspective that you bring because it, it's been a lot of me railing on Westbrook on this podcast lately. So I think it'd be good for our listeners to hear uh, a really coherent uh, pro uh, Westbrook case. You know, I think the one thing that I disagree with that you talked about was uh, having to do with rim pressure, not because I don't believe in rim pressure. I'm a huge believer in rim pressure. I talk about that all the time. However, I think the idea of LeBron needing or wanting another ball handler to stand at the top of the key and create so that he can rest is less important on this roster and in this era than it was in years past. And a lot of that has to do with the concept of five out basketball versus vintage basketball. When you're talking about LeBron creating at the top of the key in a screen and roll with Kyrie Irving and it's, you know, uh, Kevin Love in one corner and J.R. Smith in the other corner or whatever it is that you have laid out, you're talking about specialists there and you're not going to kick to Kevin Love and expect him to do some sort of dynamic closeout attacking. You're not going to kick to Kyle Korver or kick to Shane Battier and expect some sort of a dynamic closeout attacking. The idea of five out basketball is everybody's applying rim pressure. 
The idea of five out basketball is because of the space that is generated, you don't actually, and because everybody can put the ball on the floor and everybody can kind of create their own shot, especially with this group of Laker players that they have, it, like especially in the future, if they make some trades and they keep Malik Monk and they keep Carmelo Anthony, like you have guys on this team to where, you know, just by virtue of the spacing and by virtue of just really crisp driving kick basketball, you generate a lot of rim pressure. And that's been the irony here because as Raj has been pointing out, as of late over the course of this Russell Westbrook sw- uh, slump in, re- in the recent month, you know, it's been a lot of Malik Monk running these kinds of actions and having success. Why? Because it's five out basketball. There's tons of space. And, you know, and just, you know, in that in, in that setting, you can maximize talent, which is basically what happened with the L.A. Clippers last year after Kawhi went down. So my thing is like, you know, fundamentally, I disagree with the idea that LeBron needs this star guy to stand at the top of the key and break everything down, because at this point, I think literally in a five out concept, even THT can be that first guy who rips through and gets to the baseline and forces a help defender to come over kicks it to the corner, swing, swing, drive, drive, whatever it is. Just in this modern concept, I don't think it's as important. That said, but I, I hear what you're saying. Like there, there is a, a, a version of this that we've seen with Anthony Davis on the floor where Russ is a little bit more relegated to an off-ball role. I think I, think I still stand in the, uh, in the camp that it would make more sense to bring back functional off-ball role players with that salary rather than to tie it up in somebody who at the end of games is going to have to stand in the corner anyway, because he's a little bit too easy to guard in those situations. That's my personal opinion. But I do, like I said, I appreciate you taking the time to, to explain your side. The one thing I wanted to ask you before we get out of here, my last biggest concern with the Russ has always been his do before thinking kind of style of basketball, which I think, in many ways has carried him throughout his career, you know, in a good way, uh, just in the sense that like, you know, hit for his entire career being a bull in a China shop worked. So I get it. But, you know, tonight we had this latest example, jump ball. I think it was an 11 point game at the time. Lakers were on a run. It might even have been closer. It might've been a seven point game. I can't remember, but, uh, but uh, we win the jump ball and literally Russ with absolutely no advantage with uh, no Lakers down the floor with three Miami heat players, uh, very much in his way, just tried to cram his way to the basket and ends up turning it over. And we've seen a lot of examples like this over the course of the season, missed dunks, poor decisions, poor shots, that kind of thing. I'm concerned with the pivotal mistake with yeah. Russ in a big moment. So talk me off of that ledge. Yeah. So I, I, he's not going to have the ball. Like that, that's literally, that that's literally the only thing I could possibly say. Um, I don't think he's going to have, like uh, the ball in a lot of these situations, like today, I, I feel like today it was just kind of, cause we were down by 26. So like you, you were primed to get like one of those, like Russ is going to do something stupid. Cause he's just trying to be furious and trying to make a furious comeback in some capacity. Like he had a play where it was like a two on three and he tried to like take the early advantage um, and try to make a kick out pass to Bradley. But Duncan Robinson was like waiting for it. Cause he knew that Bradley was the only other option that he had to pass it to. So he did that thing where he jumped up in the middle of the, you know, jumped up in the air to make the pass so that he was screwed so he only could pass it to Bradley Duncan Robinson steals it and stuff like that but I I, I don't think he's gonna have the ball in his hands like I, mm-hmm. that's that's genuinely the only thing I could like you know we, we had this panic um a long long time ago about Rajon Rondo like if Rajon Rondo <laughs> is close, if Frank Vogel is putting Rajon Rondo and asking him to close these games like we're going to be in trouble because teams are going to play off of Rajon now now Rondo you know he was like 
he'd hit like one, he'd go like one for two, one for three. Like he, he wasn't shooting high volumes of threes, but he was making his threes enough to keep the opposing team respectable. But he was an atrocious finisher. Like he was terrible. Oh man. Season. He was so bad. Like it, it, you know, it was like what everybody says about Russ's jumpers. Like it, it was a turnover. And so like to some degree, I, I think that he's, Russ is not, it's not that um, he's going to get relegated to that role. I think he's going to get kind of put in that that sort of position. Like, if, if I was Braun and AD and I had to try and guess what they tried to explain to Russ, like what his role would be, I think they probably pointed at a guy like Rajon Rondo or they pointed at a guy like Dennis Schroeder and they said, look, when, when it gets tough, just get us the ball. And, and that was a problem. Like, th- there was a time where we couldn't even throw an entry pass to Anthony Davis, so we had to put Rajon Rondo in the game because he knew how to get the entry pass to, to Anthony Davis or to LeBron on these post-ups. And, and – I feel like that's the role that he's supposed to like for the first three quarters of the game. We're not looking to Russ to score. Just keep moving the ball, facilitate, push the ball up the floor. When we have the young guys on the floor, find the open man. If you get the open layup, you know, make your open layups. Obviously that's a separate issue all in itself, which has been better these last two games. But I, I just don't see it. I don't see a situation where Braun just says, okay, Russ, bring us home in the playoffs. I, I don't see it. And I don't see a situation where, um, he looks at Russ before he looks at Anthony Davis. You know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. I look more than Russ. My largest concern has been our coaching and just kind of our very, very slow on the take adjustments that our coach is making on the defensive end, especially. Um, so that's probably a completely separate topic that, that we, we could spend an hour on. But um, <laughs> that, that, that's that's really my, my only pushback. Like I've seen too many games now with uh, even a compromised Braun and a compromised AD where they just never go to the third guy. They just go to the, you know, it's just a two-man game over and over and over again. And then from there, you know, make your open shots, put shooters on the floor, defend your positions. That's just kind of what it is. I think that's what's going to happen with this team in the playoffs. Slotting is going to help everything. That's for sure. I mean, you know, when we're looking at talent, you know, the big problem is, is you're, asking Melo to do this much. You're asking Malik Monk to do this much. We're, even with Russ, we're asking Russ to do this much. With LeBron, we're asking him to do so much offensively that his defensive effort has cratered relative to the 2020 season. You know, he's had good defensive games and good defensive moments, but he's had a lot more bad ones this year than he has in recent years. And that's all a product of the slotting. So your hope is, you know, when you bring in Anthony Davis – everybody slots back a little bit. And then all of a sudden your skill set has a better chance of fitting. Right. But my thing is like, this is where a Jeremy Grant trade could be so game changing for this team. If they could pull it off, or even if it's not Jeremy Grant, even just an Eric Gordon sliding somebody like, you know, Avery Bradley, who even in the current slotting with help, healthy Anthony Davis really isn't the guy for that job, you know, putting, and someone who's a very competent NBA player like Eric Gordon in that spot and moving everyone else down one more slot could go a long way to fixing this. So I, I'm, I'm definitely not a defeatist yet about this roster, but I do think that vibe needs to be reset. And the coach could very well be associated with that as well. I'm, I tend to think that there's been way too much pushback on the Frank slander. I don't think, I don't think people outside of Lakers Twitter, Lakers fan, outside of Laker fan base, I don't think people – that have been casually following the Lakers have any idea just how bad Frank has been this year. Yeah. I mean, again, how, again, that's how, not the only problem, but he's definitely yeah. been a problem. <laughs> like, how, how do we do like, you can't, you know, you can't post low lights for coaches, right? Like there's no, way, there's no single possession that we can post. 
all we could post are like the missed shots and the miscues by our star players. But mm. but I think one one thing that you said is is very is very um, key, regardless of who's on this roster, whether it's Russ or somebody else. The slotting on this team seems to be very out of place. Everybody's being asked to do more. Like th- this is the biggest issue with Russ, right? Like we know he's been athletically declining as a player. We know that he's uh, uh, scoring wise, he's challenged as a player. Like since his MVP season, it's it's been a steady decline. You've had the the guy from Houston, uh, the, the Houston guy, Roosh, Roosh, I think, kind of yes. talk to you about them trying to optimize. Like one of the things I've been trying to push back on is like everybody's like, oh, we have to optimize for Russ. We have to, I was like, no, we, we don't have to optimize for a guy who struggles to score. Like why are we trying to optimize for him? We should be optimizing for Braun. We should be optimizing for like whatever the strengths of our roster are. And if our mm-hmm. strengths of our roster are roster is – you know, Melo can shoot, Monk can shoot, Reeves can shoot, Braun can shoot, then we should be optimizing in that capacity. Like, yeah. since Anthony Davis has been out, can you remember a single game that we've played where we've consistently run pick and roll? No. <laughs> that, it, 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 that's, and that's my point. Like, we're doing this thing where, we're, where we keep having these conversations about optimizing for one specific player. Well, if we are going to do that, it's not Russ. It's either Braun or it's AD when AD comes back. And and that's been my like general pushback when it comes to like the conversations about Russ and stuff like that. Like we're already like we're expecting him to, to score instead of Anthony Davis. If if Rob Polinka thought that Russ could do that in case Anthony Davis or LeBron James went down, he approached this offseason terribly. Then, then like, he didn't watch Russ in recent years. Yeah, yeah. He did, yeah. Like, the, <laughs> the entire foundational process of how he went to to, to decide this is completely wrong. And that and that's you know you and I have watched enough basketball, you know, you coach kids like that, that played in high school. Like we could compartmentalize skills and say, okay, I understand why we have this guy here in this spot. I understand why we have mellow in like that Kuzma role of, of just kind of scoring um, and stuff like that. Cause that's what we want to use Kuzma for as a stretch four. Um, but when Anthony Davis goes down, we're using him as a small ball five. It's just like, that's not going to work. You know, like that's a layup line for the opposing team and stuff like that. And so I think slotting is really, really important. I think athleticism is really, really important. And I think if you, if we can add bodies that kind of help in those two realms, I think what you're describing, which is a very human thing, like the air in the locker room, it will change because you'll, you'll know you'll get consistent effort and you'll get consistent um, execution from, from guys that are able to do it. So um, yeah, I, I think it's I hope so, man. What they do. I hope so. Uh, well, we've just crossed over the hour mark. So I know Vinay, you and I could talk for a long time, buddy. We are going to get you uh, back on the show, hopefully sometime soon. I sincerely appreciate you taking the time out of your Sunday to come hang out and talk, um, some Westbrook with me. I appreciate it. Uh, everybody, this is going to be on dash radio tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. Pacific standard time and be on our podcast feed here in about a half hour. So as always, we appreciate your support. Thanks again, Vinay, for coming on and we will see you guys after the Nets game on Tuesday night.